Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. After show. Oh, is this where we do the full yeah. flush? Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. silly. Well, some yeah. of stuff from the beginning might get moved oh, to the full it should flush. Be. It should be in the full flush. Yeah. So, mm. but this way, Jeremy, it's a chance to be like, so, Brett, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I think we hit it. I mean, I hit all the homeless, homeless person stories. Oh, you know what I wanted to do, though? I, I wanted yeah. to, there was a lot of, you know, I'm not sure if I'm using the right term. I'm not sure exactly this. Did you write statistic. all that stuff down? Oh, I got it all. Okay. Virulent versus vehement. Vir- well, I have the definition of virulent. Yes. Okay. There are five definitions. Oof. Okay. But I, I think a, probably, f- a few probably, d- a few don't fit. It's going to be in the top two. Number one, actively poisonous, intensely noxious. Ooh. Ooh. I don't think that fits. Wait. Let's let's review. What did I say? A virulently independent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think it does, almost to a poisonous degree. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking right. that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's actually problematic how I, independent. Just ask my spouse. I'm going to skip Meredith. ahead to the oh, last. I, I will. Yeah. I'm calling it right I'm going to skip ahead to the last two. Okay. okay. Violently or spitefully hostile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. works. Yeah, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and intensely bitter, spiteful, or malicious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually to a, to a fault. Yeah. To a fault. So I want to. I had. I had. Hold it, on. I had a really hard time learning to work in groups. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's go back to that. Technocratic mindset. I mm-hmm. thought it would be helpful to define. See, big words are great. Look at this. A technocracy. How does it? A technocracy? Yeah, technocracy. Yeah. technocracy. A technocracy is a proposed system of governance in which decision makers are selected on the basis of their expertise in a given area of responsibility. You're shaking your Particularly head with regard to scientific or technical knowledge. So that's not the definition you intended? In more practical no, that use, is, but it's technocracy bad, is oh. any portion of a bureaucracy that is run by technologists. Yeah. It's the oh. idea that experts can figure out what's good for everybody. Oh. But the problem is there's always imperfect knowledge. You can never have the right amount of knowledge on what people want, what people desire. So if technocrats ruled, we might all be using Zunes instead of iPods. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. I think I had a Zune. Yeah. Did you really? You had a Zune? a Zune? Yeah, I think I had a Zune. What was a Zune? It was, like, it was the alternative it was like to the, the MP3 player. Yeah, the oh. alternative to iPod. It was the Microsoft version of the oh, iPod. Oh, I think you yeah. got me one when oh, I was. I don't know. Oh, there was there was, a, there was a, another like a third terrible gift. too. But yeah. terrible gift. The best gift Jeremy ever got me. One of the most significant. If I if you were to have just asked me, vacuum cleaner. What's the best gift? No, you did get me one though. But <laughs> no, the best it didn't gift didn't go over well. Oh, was, initially, was it was it a Dyson? No, it was a, it's a Costco. It was just a Costco vacuum. Hmm. Are pretty no, the best yeah. gift was I was living in Jersey. <laughs> I think I was living in Jersey. And I was coming through. I was stopping here for Christmas on my way to my parents' house. And Jeremy and I were on the phone. And, you know, I'm a chatter. And I was blah, blah, blahing. And I said something about why would... He was asking about a gift he should get for someone. And I, and I think I recommended... 
a massage gift card. And then mm. I was like, but so. I wouldn't I wouldn't want one of those because X, Y, Z. I think I knew a massage therapist, so I didn't need the gift card and yada, yada, yada. So I come down for Christmas and he gives me a gift and it was a satellite radio player. Mm. But like back in the day when you needed to have a separate player because it was before Sirius. Seri- yeah, Sirius. Yeah, it was like a oh, Sirius yeah. player. Before Sirius merged with XM even. Yeah. yeah. And it was when you needed like to have this single yeah. player. And it was the best gift in the world because I had was about to take like an eight-hour road trip to Ohio. Yeah. And nice I was job. always coming back and down from Jersey. It was literally the best gift. And I was so excited. And he was like, well, I actually have a confession to make. I had a spa gift card for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, that would be a horrible gift for me. And I so don't we, remember that whatsoever. You don't? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but he learned. No, no, that's yeah, why. he learned no. after talking to you. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It was the best. Like, I just feel like a jerk that I was just so like, I, I like that. I recognized her inherent value as a human being and corrected myself in my thought process. Thanks, so. You know, I probably thought, oh, this is the best gift ever. Yeah. And then she told me that she would hate yeah. it. So I corrected myself. I didn't my say I thinking. would hate it, but I was just like, that wouldn't be as practical for me because. We could have talked about that. That's another, my progression as a gift giver <gasps> is another oh. example. I used to give people things I thought they, they should sh- like. Ooh. Oh, they should like, yeah. yeah. Ooh, give an example. So one year, we're at a bookstore, and I thought, oh, I'm going to get, uh, we used to just have to buy gifts for everybody that was there at Christmas. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about them. So it was like Meredith's cousin. What am yeah. I going to get Meredith's cousin? And I thought, oh, she should like this book of poetry because it's really good poetry. And Meredith was, was saying, oh, she won't like that. And I said, uh, I'm going to get it for her, and I got it for her. She didn't like it. it was <laughs> she was like, why the heck would I want this book of poetry? Yeah, and then and then I learned, that's stupid. And I don't know what turned me, but get people gifts they like. So now I pay attention when, concept. whenever Meredith says, oh, this would be really cool. I take a note of it in my phone, and mm. I save it, yeah, and, that's good and, I, and I dole them out every wow. time there's a gift-giving nice. thing. Nice. The greatest gift I ever gave was my mom one time talked about how one thing she's always wanted to do was go on a um, a sleigh ride, a horse-drawn sleigh Aww. ride. And I found a place that would allow me to purchase them a horse-drawn sleigh ride and give it to them as a gift certificate. And they went on it. And she relayed to me, when I gave it to her, she cried. Aww, (laughs) you made her happy cry. Wow, that's life dream right there. And I offered my brothers, I said, I'm getting mom and dad a horse-drawn sleigh ride. There's a framed picture. My parents had a picture taken, gave it to us. It's in our dining room of them on the horse-drawn sleigh ride. I gave my brothers the opportunity. I said, this is what I'm getting for them. You can contribute to it. It's a little expensive, but I'm going to do it. And I'm hoping you'll contribute to it because <laughs> yeah. it's a little expensive. They were like, nah, yeah. I'm good. I'm going to get her a book of poetry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so they got her she something. She should like that. They got her stuff. She opened mine, cries. Oh. And then my brother's like, ugh. And then next next yeah, next Christmas he gets her like a five hundred dollar iPad <laughs> because he's trying to make up for her. 
Oh, so didn't offer me a chance to go in on it, but she didn't cry when she opened it. That's all I got to say. Now, is it okay if he hears the story? Because he might listen since he knows you're on a podcast. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. He's my brother. He'll, he'll have to deal with it. He'll if there's anybody it. that knows me, warts and all, it's him for sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we were talking about technocrat, te- technocracy. Yeah. So Adam Smith talks about the man of system, which is this idea that somebody, it's like, I can move all the pieces on a chessboard, but you don't know mm-hmm. everybody's individual motivations. And so Adam Smith, the father of economics, talks about the man of system. And then Hayek, Friedrich Hayek, and other economists, refers to it as the fatal conceit, the idea that we can design a system that works better than all the vid- individual choices that people make. We just mm-hmm. can't understand. We don't have... We can't have perfect knowledge and know all the individual choices yeah. people make and what they want and what they value. Yeah. But at the, do you think it just comes to a certain point where dealing with society, you have to figure out some way to get all these individuals to function as a society? But so you, you don't. That's the beauty of it is you don't have to do it because people figure it out on their own. Yeah, but you need a, you need a set of rules. But what rules and who decides on the rules and, and what specifically so are they? So, for instance, I think, I think it's pretty fair to say – So, again, my idea that force, in very few instances, Mm -hmm. works better than collaboration and cooperation. So, theft. We're pretty safe on saying theft is bad. So, people – so, we should protect people from being able to see someone else's property. Otherwise, we we just can't Mm -hmm. live. So, I think without a – you have a basic set of rules, theft, harm to another person – and then basically everybody else figures it out. Like, who determines the price of something? Is there some overarching authority that tells you what, what price to set on something? No. All yeah. the individual decisions and the knowledge, markets are so much better at passing knowledge than someone trying to figure things out. What about a tax on soda? How do you mean? What if they're like, hey, we should tax soda because it's sugar and it's not good for people? I would say that, okay, so this is, this is another... I actually just asked you because I was hoping you'd get all riled up. Yeah, I am getting a little riled up. So this would be another, <laughs> another problem. This is the McDonald's coffee of Matt's episode. Yeah, that's right. For Brett. McDonald's coffee. Did you not listen to Matt's? Oh, this? yes. Yeah. That's actually a great example, right? Yeah. So the McDonald's, well, we can talk about, we don't need to talk about McDonald's so coffee. Tech, but soda tax. Soda tax. So this is called public choice economics of where you um, – it's basically the economics of decision-making amongst large groups. But the soda tax, there's unintended consequences of it. Mm -hmm. So here's what research shows. Yes, people will buy less soda. But the thing is, soda doesn't exist by itself. So there are alternative products. So if you increase Mm -hmm. the price of soda – they replace those calories somewhere else. So what happens is they switch from soda to alcohol Mm. or something else because you've increased the price of soda to a point where it makes more sense to buy a different product. So the problem is, so research demonstrates that you can put a tax on soda, but it doesn't decrease the consumption of the number of calories. They replace Mm. those calories somewhere else. And it's also, here's the other part, the problem of tax on soda, it's a regressive tax. So rich people don't care about the tax on soda. The people it hurts is the poor. And now here's the tricky thing. And this is why I don't like the technocrats because they don't treat these people as individuals is they think, oh, we can raise revenue by putting a tax on soda and then we can help these people. But really you're stealing from those people to claim to help them. So here's the thing with poor people. If you're poor and you want to consume a luxury good – 
what choices do you really have? So are you going to be able to take all your kids to a movie, which is going to cost, in some instances, if a ticket's, what is a ticket around here, twelve fifty something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. So you're going to spend $60, 70 bucks to take my family of five to the movies, get popcorn and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Another way we, we have luxury goods is fast food, soda, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So you increase the cost of soda. You now are taking more money out of my pocket, and I have to make even tougher trade-offs when these are kind of the luxury goods I can mm-hmm. afford. And then also, you'll increase that price, so we'll just, we'll just put our dollars towards chips or mm-hmm. something else. So we'll replace those, category, those, those calories somewhere else. So you don't help them. You don't reduce their consumption of bad calories. Mm-hmm. You also take dollars from them that are supposed to benefit them, and you're taking – and it's regressive. So you're taking it from the poor, not from the rich. Mm. So you so, know what I – Go ahead. Wealthy people can afford. So, if you raise the tax on soda, wealthy people will buy other products that are not soda and actually can afford to make healthier choices versus mm-hmm. poor people. Yeah. Mobile fish and loaves. Yeah. Yeah. I Googled it because you said you could probably Google. And do you know that he doesn't work for Pepsi? Who, uh, who started Mobile Fish and Loaves? Yeah. I'm here to tell you it's Mobile Loaves and Fishes. Mobile Loaves and Fishes. Mobile Loaves and Fishes. Founded by Alan Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they, he started, I don't know if it's Mobile Loaves and Fishes anymore, but he started another group, and it's basically they build these communities. He's, he's actually looking to find land near other urban centers to build these. It's pretty cool. That's For homeless awesome. people? Yeah. yeah. Anybody struggling. So There, hom- there was some, some uh, tidbit about homeless when I was looking through here. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like, you know, with that example with the Mobile Loaves and Fishes carried to full term i mean that's like friendship too you just the more you invest the more you get back it's all about returns yeah, yeah. all right uh the next thing i wanted to bring it's the up. heart profits mm-hmm. hashtag it's a heart problem yeah all right jeremy yeah. what, what else what else you got on your notes all right Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. Oh, yeah. What's the percentage? Who is fact-checking you like crazy? This is great. This is like the Dak Shepard one. Alcoholics Anonymous. When you Google, what is the success rate of Alcoholics Anonymous? Let's see. 50%. Oh, I was off. 50%. That's actually much better than I thought. Stating Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. I don't know what that is. Hmm touts about a 50% success rate, stating that another 25% remain sober after some relapses. So you could up that to 75% success with Alcoholics Anonymous. Great organization. Not a sponsor. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Project Phoenix. Yeah. I Google searched. Yeah. What is the success rate of Project Phoenix? Yeah. 91%. Oh, silly. Now, Whoa. it does say Phoenix Facility boasts 91% success rate in helping veterans get back on their feet. Mm. Oh, is that the same one? Mm. I don't know. Might not be the same group. Yeah. Well, all right. We can do a, we can do a fact check of the fact check. And when that's done, I got to have one more question for you. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Phoenix. It is. The a- Phoenix is empowering people to beat their addiction. Yes. It's the Phoenix. They're in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Oh. 60% success rate. All right. No. Ooh. Success metrics. Six locations. 16 full-time instructors. 22,000 lives impacted. 75% participants realize lasting sobriety. Mm. 
What was that percentage? 75. So. So maybe not better than Alcoholics Anonymous. You could make the argument that it's the same as AA. Yeah, you could. But still a great organization. Definitely. The Phoenix. Not located in Phoenix, but in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, I'm glad we it is called that out. the Phoenix. Yep, good call. The Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So I I googled the wrong thing. All right, what else we got? All right, you mentioned earlier in the uh, pit stop that you like to have conversations with people, and I put in quotes arguments. arguments right? Yeah. So it it would be a conversation would be to either change your point of view. Yes. To that of the other person, the other mm-hmm. participant. Yeah. Or to strengthen your point of view. Yes. That you currently hold. Yes. I don't want to get political. Yeah. But Republicans and Democrats have arguments all the time. Yeah. Are they just strengthening their own point of views? Nobody's turning. I mean, people have no that turned. Yeah. Well, but that's, you, but, but that's my point is you can argue if that's not your mindset of wanting to improve your point. Yeah. Or improve your argument or demonstrate you can argue and just trying to like convince the other person and there's no chance you're going to change that's not that's not the kind of argument i want to have but that's the kind of argument a lot of people have yeah. right yes. but I, but i think there are there are going to be topics in the history of humankind that you have to just end the discussion with i guess we're going to have to agree to disagree of course. yeah because that's also because there's not always a right and a wrong they're so people I, I, have two different perspectives. Yeah, it of depends. Yeah, yeah, sure. But there's some things where you're right, it doesn't matter. So it's like which is better, the Whopper or the Big Mac? Does it really matter? I mean you just have your preference. You like the Big Mac, I might I like the Whopper. Or or for you it's um I don't know, the Chick fil A sandwich versus the Popeyes thing. Like who cares? Oh, I haven't had the Popeyes. We haven't had one yet. Popeyes, but Popeyes chicken is amazing. But so. people I will love some Popeyes. But people will argue over that, but that doesn't really matter. People die over that. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Oh, somebody stabbed somebody or something. Yeah, they died. That's true. That's sad. That's not good. Over an argument of of which chicken sandwich was better? Yeah. So I think there's some instances where it's a matter of preference, but there are definitely things where which is better for the American people, I think there's definitely a right answer and there's a wrong answer in some instances. Yeah. But I think think you, you could find somebody out there that would virulently disagree. Yes. Abortion. And so our job is to, yeah, so even with... Um, but there's people, like, I would argue, like, abortion theoretically should be a no-brainer. Don't kill something and, you know, I would call a child a human, a baby. Other people call cells. That's an issue where I feel like people will get to the point of agree to disagree. I think so, Yeah. So I think what I try to do in that instance is, and at a certain point you will have a agree to disagree, but I try to see what's what's the common ground we can have. Yeah. So I've had that argument with my libertarian friends, and I've said, all right, so the libertarian principle is, it's a non-aggression principle, so against a person. So if mm-hmm. you believe, so I said hypothetically, mm-hmm. if you believed as I believe that the baby is a person, yeah. Then you could not kill that baby. And they said, yes, but I don't believe the baby's a person. And I said, okay, well, then we don't have much else to go on because we have no starting point. So, But if we both agreed the baby was a person and you still believed it was fine to kill that person, then I think we, we should argue that out. But 
what I realized is we don't have any common ground, so there's no chance I'm going to move them to my side. Mm -hmm. There's no chance they're going to move me to their side. So let's just leave the conversation. But then there's other instances. So I've talked about abortion. And so now my 15-year-old, this is something she's thinking about. And so she hears, all right, if we outlaw abortion, then women will have illegal abortions. And instead of me saying, well, that's just ridiculous, we should outlaw abortions, I'm saying, all right, well, then maybe we should think about we should think about it differently is why do women feel like they need to have an abortion? Maybe that's the actual problem we need to address. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if, a, if a person really wants an abortion that bad and then they harm themselves, then yeah, I think we've hurt two people. Mm-hmm. So basically where I've progressed to is where I would normally say it doesn't matter. That person deserves what they get because that baby's a life. I've progressed to that person is hurting and is really in pain in some way and is willing to do something so terrible. Mm-hmm. So what we really need to figure out is what it, what is causing them to get to that point. Mm. And that doesn't negate that the baby's a life and is a person. It's trying to actually address the problem that's in front of us. Does that make sense? That's, yeah. kind of, that's a different way that's to think great. about it. And it circles back to the, the whole um, takeaway of the pit stop of... Seeing people with inherent worth and value. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's great. Well, Brett, thank you again for coming. Thanks for sticking around for the after show. Thanks for flushing it out. Yeah, it was fun. Let's see how this. Let's see how this turns out. Yeah, I think uh, I have a good feeling. Good feeling about it, just like this friendship. I got a feeling. This pod's gonna be a good cast. That this pod's gonna be a good good cast. Tonight's the night. Record it up. What? <laughs> I got my mic. Huh? What? Let's turn it up. Up. We'll raise the volume. We'll spit it out. Out. Record this podcast. Let's get get conversational. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by twinmusicom.org. Song titled Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, M&M Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.